Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of war to you, thank you and God bless. Amen. Some of you may have forgotten this morning, but today is Father's Day. I had I had one out of three tell me Happy Father's Day when I woke up. It's all right. I won't say who said it and who didn't say it. But today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to the fathers. Uh, we we have the bros and bows today. So if y'all wondering why we all got bow ties on, the bros and bows today. Uh, we, we continue the sermon series on today that is tied into our one word series that we're doing on Wednesday. Every single Wednesday in the month of June and July, uh, our, our sermon series is titled uh, God in Your iPod, The Playlist of Life. And every minister who has come and spoken here on the Wednesday has chosen a song and uh, preached God's message through that song title that they've chosen. Uh, the first week started from the bottom, now I'm here. Second week, uh, Old Town Road. And this week, uh, Scott Meyer will be presenting a message uh, entitled, Lean On Me. Y'all know that song, all right? Lean On Me. Every time I hear that song, I think about Morgan Freeman. I can't remember what the name of that movie was. I think about, is it called Lean On Me? Well, maybe that's why. But yeah, I think about Morgan Freeman when I hear that song, but that's what he's he's going to be, the uh, topic is Lean On Me. So what I did was, uh, at looking at this sermon series, I thought about my favorite artist, uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, and what I did was, I wanted to present the gospel message using his songs. And so we started off in the series, uh, first week was We Are the World, and we talked about how God has created us in his image and he created us as a special creation in order to have dominion over creation, over the things in which he's created, in order to be like God, in the image of God. And so human beings, you may not think at all times that you're special, but I want you to understand that God created you to be a special being, and he has created you for a purpose. You may think that you don't have a purpose, but you have a purpose in this world. Second week, the title of the lesson was titled Smooth Criminal. Smooth criminal. We talked about Satan and, and, and sin and how sin affects our lives. We talked about how sin starts off as something that is not even bad. It starts off as a desire. There's nothing wrong with having desires, but then that desire grows into something. It turns into temptation, and then whenever we act on temptation, it turns into sin. And that sin leads to death, and that sin leads to separation from God. So that we learned last week that because Adam and Eve sinned, they had to be put out of the garden, out of the presence of God. And God, and God, can't, God cannot 
God cannot just sit by idly while we live in sin because God is a just God. That means that God has to do what's right. It's in his nature. He can't do wrong. And so if he knows that sin, the result of sin is death and we are sinning, then that's what we deserved. And so as we look at this whole sermon series, and it's called the gospel according to Michael Jackson, right? When we're looking at this and we look at the gospel, which is the good news, we stand in a position of needing good news. Because as it stands without God, without Jesus Christ, it's all bad news. We can't do anything about our salvation. We by ourselves as human beings cannot put ourselves into heaven. There's no action that you can perform to do that. None. There's no special prayer. There's no secret chant. There's no special dance. Only God can do that. It's God's gift that he's given us through his son, Jesus Christ, that makes that possible. So this week, as we look at the gospel, the sermon title for today is Heal the World. Heal the World. I believe it was 1991 when Michael Jackson came out with this song. He writes this song and he, he, as always, you can't necessarily always understand what he's saying. He just sounds good saying it. <laughs> but Michael, he starts off, he says, there's a place in your heart and I know that it is love. And this place could be much brighter than tomorrow. And if you really try you'll find there's no need to cry. In this place, you'll feel there's no hurt or sorrow. There are ways to get there if you care enough for the living. Make a little space, make a better place, heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying if you care enough for the living. Make it a better place for you and me. I know that when you hear that, you can't help but want to sing. There are people dying. All right. Michael, he challenges all of us to care about somebody other than ourselves. He challenges all of us to look out for the person who can't look out for themselves. He challenges us to help somebody who lives beneath our privilege. Those of us who have food and shelter, and clothing. There are people who don't have that, and he challenges us to help those people. Heal this world that has been torn down by violence, by sin. Heal the world, he says. And I believe us as Christians have the same, the same mission. As Christians, we've been living a life of privilege. God has given us this thing called salvation, but guess what? Everybody in the world is not Christian. Everybody in the world has not had the opportunity to be a part of God's family. And if we sit in the house of God being a part of God's family and we don't tell the world about what they have and what we have. And we're guilty. Their blood is on our hands. We have the responsibility to heal the world. If you have your Bible on this morning, go ahead and raise it up. Great place to have your Bible. If you don't have a Bible on this morning, there should be one on the back of the seat. The text for today will be on page 490. 490. 490. We're going to start at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. 1 through 11. 
I'll let you turn there. That's in the New Testament. Paul here, he writes a letter to the church at Corinth. Corinth is a city, right? And this city is a very, very popular city. It's a town to where things come in and a lot of things go out. Corinth was actually made up of three cities, three small cities. You know how you go to Dallas and you got Irvin and you got uh, 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 Skeet, Fort Worth, all these places mix into one and make Dallas almost, right? Corinth sat on top of this giant hill and it was three cities. One city was on the left. Corinth set up the highest on the highest point of this mount. And then you had a city on the right side. Imports came in to one side. Exports came in on the other side. The temple to these false gods was in Corinth. Huge temple. And so you had all of these cultures coming and bringing in how they lived and how they worshipped and how they believed things to be true. You had this very lax lifestyle, especially whenever it came to sex and fornication. You had this very lax lifestyle, and some of them would use it in their worship. And so when Paul came and he established this church at Corinth, he was dealing with folks that came from all different type of walks of life. And Paul was okay with that. So Paul sets up this church, and then he leaves for a while, and he writes this letter to them at this church in Corinth, and he's in Ephesus, the place where the church is, uh, where we get the book, uh, the letter, Ephesians. He writes this letter to them because people in Corinth are beefing with each other. They're beefing with each other. They can't get along. People are showing up to church, and they meet together in this church to have worship, and they have a meal with each other. Some people are getting nasty drunk. You got somebody who's messing around with their stepmother. You got folks just doing all kinds of messed up stuff. And then you even had a point in which the people in Corinth stopped believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And so Paul is addressing all of this in the book of Corinthians, in the letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. And then he wants to remind them in the 15th chapter about where they all began, where they all began their walk with Jesus Christ. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 in its entirety first. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say, hold on. All right, everybody there. And the Bible reads, I'm reading from Christian Standard Bible. The Bible reads, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel. Can we say gospel? I preach to you, which you received on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved. Can we say being saved? That's going to be important in just a second. Hold on to that thought. If you hold to the message I preach to you, Unless you believed in vain, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Can we say died? According to the scriptures, that he was buried. Can we say buried? That he was raised. Can we say raised? And that's shouting ground for everybody in here because you can't be a Christian if he didn't get up. Amen. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter. Then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some of them have fallen asleep. They appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. 
Verse number nine, for I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Can we say not worthy? But by the grace, can we say grace? Can we shout grace this morning? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim and so you have believed. Heal the world. It's good to see Jimmy Brown here this morning. <laughs> you doing all right? I don't, I don't mean to put you on blast, but I'm going to put you on blast. Good to see you there. It's good to see. Uh, I did not. I, I did not catch your name, but you're a guest of Sister Bond. What's your name? Jenny. Good to see you here as well, visiting with us today. I think that's all the guests we have here. Oh, what's your name? Val. Oh, guess. Okay, guess. Okay, that's what I thought I was talking to. All right. And that's all the guests that we have here. Y'all keep in prayers. Uh, brother and Sister Sims, they got married yesterday. So they, they're they on their honeymoon today. And I believe Annette uh, and Francisco, thank you, they travel with them as well, right? So they all they all went. They're having a good time. I said, don't have too too much fun. All right? But pray for them. Uh, they, they got on the airplane on this morning, I believe. So just pray for them as they travel, all right? Let's get to God's word. Verse number one through four. Let's look at that for a moment. Brother Arnold, would you read that for us? Stop at verse three. Now, I want you to make clear for you. Okay. Brothers and sisters. He says to them, now, I want to make clear. I want to make this completely clear to you, right? Because right now, you're doing a whole bunch of things that you should not be doing, right? The things that you should be clearly seeing is murky. He says, I want you to clearly understand what I'm about to say. What does Paul say? The gospel I preached to you. The gospel I preached to you. Which you received. Which you received. And when he says received here, because when we think about received, we think about all those boxes we get from Amazon, right? You know, when they drop off boxes from Amazon, they just throw them against your door and then run back to the truck. But this received that he's talking about here is much different. This received here means to accept something. He said, I presented the gospel to you and then you accepted it. Okay? Because you can't just have somebody tell you the gospel and then all of a sudden it saves you. You have to accept what the gospel is saying. You have to accept it. And then what else does he say? Which you received on which you have taken your stand. And he says, you also took a stand on this gospel. When you received and accepted it, you took a stand on it and you did not move from which you stood on. Keep reading. And by which you are being saved. And then he says, and by which you are being saved. This is a present verb right here. This is a present verb. That means that the, 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 the thing of salvation is continually happening at this moment. This thing of salvation is continually happening. God is actively in the process of saving you right now. It's done, but it's continually happening. He says, in which you are being saved. He says what? If. If you hold to the message I preach to you. Now, this thing that God has done within us through Jesus Christ, it is conditional. It's an unconditional love. It's a gift from God that we have the salvation, but we have the ability to give back the gift that we have received. 
And that's based on us. Not on God. God gave it to us when we obeyed the gospel. Don't give back what God has given to you, right? That's rude to give back a gift. Amen. Brothers, y'all love those ties and socks that your children get you on Father's Day. Don't give it back. All right. And by which you are being saved. If you what? Unless you believed in vain. Uh, if you hold on, if you hold to, go back there. Oh, if you hold to the message I preach to you, uh -huh. unless you believed in vain. Now, verse number three. I want for you to pay I, attention. For I pass on to you. He passed on. You can't pass on something that you haven't previously received. Paul isn't making this up. This is something that Paul received from somewhere. Paul was on the road to Damascus one day. On he was on his way to go persecute Christians. And then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ literally came into his life, blinded him. And by being blinded, he was able to see. All right. And so he says that when he's on this road to Damascus, that he received this message. And he said, I gave it to you at the church of Corinth. Come on, keep reading. For I pass on to you as... As most important, what I also received. He said, this thing that I passed on to you is the most important. I know that I've given you 14 chapters of important things to understand. But this right here is the most important, the first important thing that you must understand. What? That Christ died for our sins. He says that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. So he brings this idea in the first couple of verses of this thing called the gospel. This thing called the gospel. And this, this word here in the original language simply means good news or good tidings. I know a lot of the Laker fans in here last night got some good news. Traded away the whole team for one person, Anthony Davis. But this good news is going to last longer than Anthony Davis's career. This good news that they received was, was that first, that Jesus, go back to verse number three, that Jesus died. Now, I don't know about you, unless you're watching that Medea movie about funerals, you don't see a lot of people laughing when somebody dies. There's not a lot of joy in that. But the gospel this news about Jesus Christ dying was good news for a whole world. Good news for the whole entire world. And the reason why it's good news is because it does not end there. If Jesus stays in the tomb, if his body begins to corrupt, there's no good news in that. But it says that Jesus Christ, he died and he didn't just die. Keep reading. Christ died for our sins, he according to the scriptures. He died for our sins. He died for our sins. He died for our sins. Do y'all remember in week number one when Adam and Eve is in the garden? And God told them, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely, what? Die. They ate of the fruit. And yet God didn't kill them. But something still had to pay the price for their sin. It said that God covered them up with the covering the skins of an animal. Something had to die in order for their shame to be covered, the result of their sin to be covered. Something had to pay the price, and that animal wasn't good enough to cover Adam and Eve's children and even us. And so what God did was he sent down the perfect sacrifice in his son Jesus, the one who had no sin, and he allowed him to die on the cross for all of us. 
And we think that we have this thing called salvation because of something we did. But Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. Keep reading to verse 3. That he was buried. And it says also that he was buried. That he was raised on the third day. Verse number 4. According to the scriptures. That he was buried. And what that else? he was raised on and the third day. And he was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures. This right here is the most important thing that you need to understand. If you don't understand anything today. Paul's saying that this is important. I'm saying that this is important. And I'm sure a lot of people in this room will say that it's important. The gospel is of first importance to humanity. Because it is that which saves. That which will save. And that which saved them even then. The good news, the gospel, is a three-part news story. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. Take that note right there. The gospel is a three-part news story. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. And this news was even verified by other people. This gospel of good news is thus because it saved Paul, it saved us, and it can heal the world. Let's go to verse number five. Verse number five. And that he had appeared to Cephas. Then he appeared to Cephas. Now, I want you to understand that this right here is Peter that he's talking about, okay? He's talking about Peter. Keep going. And then to the twelve. And he appeared to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Okay. Most of them are still alive. Paul says most of the people who he appeared to, these 500 people, are still alive. But some had fallen asleep. Some fell asleep. Keep going. Then he appeared to James. Okay. Then to the apostles. Okay. Last of all, Uh as to one born at a wrong time, he also appeared to me. Okay. For I am the least of the apostles. All right. Not worthy to be called an apostle. Okay. Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul's right there on verse number nine. Paul says in verse number nine, for I am the least of the apostles. For I am the least of the apostles. Paul here understands that he's not worthy to carry this title. When Paul says that he is the least, he's saying I'm the most unqualified person to be carrying this title. I should not have the ability to even speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ because I was killing those folks who said that he rose from the dead. Paul was personally organizing people to go out and persecute and hurt people and kill people. Paul is a murderer and he knows that he should not be in the position that he's in. He says, I'm the most unqualified, unworthy person to wear this mantle. Because I persecuted the church of God. Now I need you to understand. Paul here does something that we all need to be okay with doing. You see, because most of the time when we get to talking about Jesus Christ, we want to talk about scripture and we don't want to talk about our scars. We want to talk about scripture, but we don't want to talk about our scars. We're okay with opening up the Bible and beating people over the head with the Bible and the scriptures, but we won't talk about our self-inflicted scars. Paul says, I know that I would not kill people. Just like you was out there fornicating. 
We was out there doing drugs, drinking, doing whatever we wanted to do, lying about folks, gossiping about folks, yes, physically assaulting people. Yes, sir. But then we come in church and we cover it up. I don't have any scars. Brothers and sisters wear long sleeve shirts every day. It'd be 100 degrees outside. Oh, I had a tattoo for my past. I don't want to show that off. Man, show your scars. Showing your scars speaks to the power of the gospel. If God can change us from being drug addicts, if God can change us from being fornicators, liars, gossipers, physically abusive people, if God can change you from being that, somebody see that on the outside looking in, they say, I can change too. And Paul wasn't afraid to talk about his scars. Paul said, I know I killed people. I know I'm not worthy. I know that I should not be an apostle. But he says, by the grace of, of God. God. And this right here is special. This is special. Understand this grace right here that he's talking about. This just means the kindness showed towards him. Yes, sir. Now think about this, fathers. If somebody comes and they kill your child, are you going to show a lot of kindness? Be real. I know it's, I know we're here and we dressed up all nice and stuff. We can say, I can be holy and forgiving. But this is exactly what Paul did. He went at the children of God and God said, I'm going to be kind to you anyway. Because of this grace, this kindness that God showed to Paul. He says, because of this kindness, I am what I am. Because God chose to be kind to me, I can be an apostle. I can be a special messenger of Jesus Christ because God said, I'm going to be kind to you. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But because God is full of grace, I am what I am. And then he says, God's grace towards me. Keep reading that, Brother Arnold. And his grace towards me was not in vain. He says, this grace towards me. On the contrary. Was not in vain. I want y'all to understand. What Paul is saying here. Firstly, we must remember that we did not earn the good news. Nothing you did earned you your good news. I don't care if you can sing like Mariah Carey and Beyonce. If you got eight-pack abs, that didn't earn you anything. Secondly, he says, read verse 9 again. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Go to verse 10. On the contrary, uh -huh. I worked harder than any of them. Go back to the top of verse 10. Brother Arnold's ready to leave. Come on, man. Go <laughs> but, back to the top of verse 10. But, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh -huh. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Mm -hmm. On the contrary. He says right here, his grace towards me was not in vain. It wasn't for nothing. You understand what that means? The kindness that God showed towards him. It wasn't in vain. Paul here is saying this. All of us have been in school. Raise your hand if you've been to school before. Everybody's been in school. If you didn't, your parents got fined. All right? We in school had to do these group reports, right? Y'all remember those group assignments that you had to do in school? 
where you had probably a group of four people and one or two of them jokers ain't going to do nothing. You're going to have one or two people that's going to do all the work and then everybody's going to reap the benefit from it. They're going to sit back and reap the benefits. I remember whenever we used to have group assignments and if we do all the work, what we used to do, the people that work would be like, okay, since he ain't going to do nothing, we're going to make him present it, but we ain't going to tell him he's going to present it. <laughs> that ain't right. But anyway, these people who do nothing with what they've been blessed with are just receivers. Just receivers of the world and not really giving anything. And Paul says, if God is good enough to show me kindness, and allow me to work for him, then it's not going to be for nothing. I'm going to be at work. I'm going to be doing what I know that I need to do because God showed me kindness when I didn't deserve it. But what I want you to understand is, is that we live in a culture, we live in a society to where we can receive the goodness of God and then sit here and come in this building every Sunday and do nothing with it. God, I will accept your salvation. I will accept all the blessings that you give to me. I will breathe in all your oxygen. But I ain't going to tell nobody about you. I ain't going to study my Bible. I'm not going to come to Bible class. I'm not going to care when we being outnumbered by Western Hills on the One Word series, when we hosting an event. Amen, church. Yep, I stepped on them. Stepping on toes. We okay with accepting the goodness of God. And then it's in vain. Because we don't do nothing with it. Paul says, I didn't just take in the goodness of God and didn't do anything with it. What does he say? On the contrary. I worked harder than any of them. He says, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I. Listen, he said, I worked harder than any of them. Some of us, we get to the point to where we say, okay, I've done enough good things. I'm retired. I don't have to work for God anymore. And yet God is still giving you the ability to walk and talk, pray, sing. God is giving you gifts to do things, and you don't use them. He gave you some grace in vain. He gave us some grace in vain when we don't use the gifts that God has given us for his purpose. And I believe that we all in here are guilty of doing those things every now and then. Since it's so quiet, I'm going to keep talking about it. We know that God has given us the gift of salvation. We know that God has given us special things that we can do that nobody else can do. If we don't do those things for God, then we have received this gift in vain. It means nothing. He says, even though, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I. It wasn't the work that I did, though, Paul says. It wasn't because I was good at what I was doing. It wasn't about me, but. But the grace of God that was with me. But it was the kindness of God that was with me. It wasn't about the gift that God gave me, because there's a lot of gifted people in this world. But if God has not touched you in your gift, it means nothing. There's lots of people who can speak well. But if you ain't speaking about the kingdom of God, what good is it for? 
There's a lot of people who are good at managing money, but if you ain't managing money for kingdom purposes, what good is it for? We're talking about doing things that's going to last forever. Paul was not just the receiver. I want you to understand, this is a note on the back of your bulletin. The proper response to grace is total commitment. The proper response to grace is total commitment. Paul ends it right here by saying in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 11, Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Paul here is saying, man, I don't care if it's me talking. I don't care if it's Apollos talking because they was having trouble in the church because they were saying, well, I was taught by Paul. I was taught by Apollos. And so that makes me better than what you are because my teacher was greater than you. Paul right here, verse number 11, he says, I don't care who told you about the gospel. It's not about the messenger, but the message. That's what's important. That's what can heal this world. It's this message, not me, not you. I don't care if you used to be a drug addict. I don't care if you used to live in sin, be drunk at 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't care what you used to do. It doesn't matter who you are as the messenger. God can use you to spread the message. That's how we heal the world. This message changes lives. This message gives you eternal life. Something you can't do for yourself. So as I stand here before you, he says, this is the message that I preach. Go back to verse number 11. Whether then it is I or they, uh so we proclaim and so you have believed. I want you to see this because this is what's most interesting about this here. In the original language, what we see in verse number 11, the Greek word for proclaim is the word that we also use for preach, keruso. Now we think preaching. It's some hooping and hollering and some ripping and rhyming. Well, one day I, I saw the lighter. That's not preaching. I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. Because then what's going to happen is you're going to leave here. He showed preach today. Somebody asked you to go to the crowd. You're going to be like, I don't know what he preached about, but he preached. I'm not overly concerned with the emotions. I want you to understand what God is trying to say. Amen. What that word Caruso means is, is to proclaim or present a message and then challenge the listener Amen. to obey. That's what preaching is. That's what it means to preach, to proclaim in this verse. is to present a message and then challenge someone to do it. I challenge you to heal the world. I challenge you to take this message of the gospel, of the death, burial, and resurrection, and present it to the world. Is everybody going to listen? No. You might talk to 15 people and get one. But don't be discouraged because it's not about you. The devil ain't at a war with you. He mad at God, not you. I challenge you to heal the world. That's my message for this morning. Heal the world. If you're not a Christian this morning, I need you to understand that you live beneath your privilege. God 
has something special for you. He is in love with you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And I want you to understand that you can't reestablish the relationship that Adam and Eve were created with unless you come through Jesus. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must believe that he died for your sins, he was buried, and that he rose on the third day. You cannot be saved. You cannot be in a relationship with God if you don't change your mind about sin. We cannot be okay with sin. Now, when I say that, I want you to take it the right way. I saw a video on Facebook yesterday where there was a man preaching. Uh, he called it preaching. And he was talking about we need to kill homosexuals like they do murderers. That is not how we change our mind about sin. How we change our mind about sin is we say we don't want to do it no more. We ain't outwardly concerned with what the world is doing. We worried about what's going on within us. We change our mind about how we view sin. We don't want any parts of it in our lives. I can't control nobody else's lives. We must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When Jesus confessed that he was the Son of God, it cost him his life on this earth. We must be baptized for the remission of our sins. When we go down into the water, we meet the blood of Jesus. And that blood cleanses us. Everything that we did in our past, God no longer holds you accountable for. When you face God, God ain't going to say, I remember what you did before baptism because it's gone when you're baptized. If you're a Christian this morning, you need to get yourself right with God. Raise your hand and ask for prayer this morning. We will pray for you. We will pray with you as we sing the song of invitation. Living below in this so sin.